Hello, beloved listeners. We have kind of a bummer thing to talk about at the top of this episode, but kind of a bummer. I mean, it is a real bummer, and we're sorry that we're starting off with a bummer, but we didn't do it. J.K. Rowling did it. Yeah, as you may or may not have heard, she basically went on a big old turf following spree on Twitter. So I know this is a thing that's happened before, at least like one time in like 2018. She liked a really shitty tweet or a couple really shitty tweets and her PR person was like, oh, her hand slipped. She's old. She doesn't know how to hold a phone. Which, <laughs> okay. Right? Uh, and she like unliked it and whatever and everyone was like, mm, what now? But this is like, like she followed one of the most vocal promoters of the just heinous turf movement in that's going on in the UK right now, which it's a really big deal. So it's not just that person. It turns out she's actually recently followed kind of a lot of these, these similar types of people, but this one is um, particularly nasty. Uh, And someone noticed and so she's been getting backlash and uh she will not be issuing any comments on this and she hasn't unfollowed anyone so even though she hasn't like come out explicitly like with her words as a turf she has done so with her actions um There's a really good article on the Mary Sue about this that I encourage you to look at if you want to know more. And we can always link to that in the show notes. too. Yeah, that's a good idea. We can do that. Do you want to say anything, Jesse, before we read our official statement? Probably not before you read the statement. So if you follow us on socials, you almost certainly saw that we released basically an official statement on this as a very queer very trans harry potter podcast we need to like be super explicit about where we land on jk rowling so we release this on socials and now we are releasing it on the podcast just to make sure that everyone knows so In light of J.K. Rowling's recent coming out as a certified transphobe, we at The Gaily Prophet would like to issue a statement. Firstly, we would like to say that we are pro-trans women. We know that Lark, me, and Theo being trans mask folks does not necessarily make it a given in this fucked up world, so let us be explicitly clear. Trans women are women and TERFs are scum. Next, we would like to say that our love of Harry Potter is in no way an indicator of a love for J.K. Rowling. Anyone who listens to our podcast or follows us on socials knows that we have never expressed a love for her, but we are usually being funny about that. So in all seriousness, fuck J.K. Rowling. We will continue to make this podcast because this podcast is a fuck you to J.K.R. She may have created this world, but we are claiming it for our own. That's the point of our podcast. Who gives a fuck what she thinks these characters are? She's wrong. She accidentally created an iconic and dearly beloved trans woman character when she wrote Hagrid and a wonderful non-binary character in Tonks, and 90% of the characters in these books are gay. 
She probably wouldn't like it if she knew that, but we couldn't give any less fucks about that. The joke is on her. These characters are ours, and she can't have them back. With love. From me and Jesse and Theo. I just want to say, first off, is that our love of the books doesn't in any way, like, mean that we support the things that she is doing. What she has created, and then the rest of her life, are... They're not separate things, but that doesn't mean that, like, we condone any of the actions that she has taken. And let's be real, like, in reading these books, and in a lot of her things that come out after the series has been written, she's done a lot of fucked up shit, and said a lot of fucked up shit, and, like, isn't as liberal as she thinks that she is, <laughs> given, the, given a lot of the things about given a lot of the patriarchal racist things that are in the text, you know, not including things that she has said and slash done outside of the books, outside of, you know, this thing. We are here for trans women and TERFs are literally hot garbage. And this isn't up for debate um, between us and on this podcast. Yep. So yeah, uh, it, it, it feels really important as a Harry Potter podcast to make this statement, to be really clear about this, it would be super inappropriate of us to not address what she's doing. So, yeah. And the kind of, and the message she's sending out there, given her like very large platform as a, for a lot of people, beloved author, you know, Um, like that's just like, like, on top of that being the fucking worst, it's, like, fucking, like, young people look, look up to you. Like, that's, like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, I mean, she's just, like, basically, like, embodying hate, a hate group. And it's, like, why? Like, literally why? Like, like what the fuck? Like, just... <laughs> it's just... Right. Who benefits? I mean, ignorant-ass motherfuckers benefit, because it's, like... Are, isn't there enough to be upset about? I don't know. I like, I just, I literally can't fathom this. It's like trans women are women. Like end of story. Like it's what? right. It's just so easy. It's so easy. Right. It's like, I don't know. Like fucking the patriarchy is trying to kill us all anyway. Like why we got to like do like really? Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I just, I don't get it. I just, li- I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's fucking gross. It's so gross. We don't condone it, and we want this podcast to be a safe place for all of our listeners, but especially our trans women listeners and our trans non-binary listeners. Yeah, make no mistake, we love you. So, okay, (laughs) we've been talking for 18 minutes. Hopefully I won't leave 18 minutes of this discussion in at the (laughs) beginning of this episode, but... That is how long we've been talking. So just hopping to lighter and better things. We have a new review from Mia on iTunes. Thank you, Mia. We love you. That takes us to 14 more reviews that we need uh, in order to send out stickers. And then you can get it in time to put on your car for when you're going to on vacation, put on your bike. Put on your laptop before school starts to show everyone what a queer nerd you are. To passive aggressively come out to your family. I mean, whatever <laughs> you want to do. Oh yeah, do that. All right. And then speaking of stickers, the very last thing is that today 
June 30th, 2019, the day this episode came out, which is very appropriately our coming out episode, is the last day of our Pride sale. And for anyone who tried to take advantage of our Pride Month sale and was told that nothing in your cart qualified, that error has been corrected. So I promise now if you head over to thegailyprofit.com slash shop and attempt to use the promo code QUEERWITCHES, it will in fact work and you will be able to get anything in our shop except for our fundraiser shirt for 13% off. Again, so sorry for that error. So get 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 your gear. Get, get gear your gear that's on sale 13% off because witches using the code queer witches. Yeah. Uh so the sale ends at midnight Pacific time. Get your shit before the end of today. Moral of the story. Listen, maybe you have a, uh, you know, there are a lot of cancer about to roll in the Leo season. Get get your Leo friends a gift of our merch. Do that. Yes. Great. Okay. And with that, let's get into, let's get into this incredibly vulnerable episode. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Oh, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about Harry Potter. Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a podcast for two queer IRL witches tell you about our coming out stories, because it's Pride Month, and also talk about our queer roots. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, like Malachi Gray. Uh, and I am Griffin Dyke extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. So I guess this is an opted. Is this what opteds are? I don't know. Talking about yourself? No, this would be an essay. Opeds are like where you're mad about something, but you're not a like professional in that field. <laughs> and then you write about it because you're mad about it. Or like you're mad about something that the, the newspaper published and you want to yell at them about it or you want to like argue. Yeah, that makes sense. So if we were taking a stand on coming out, we could have an op-ed. <laughs> <laughs> but I think these are just personal essays. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I would go in, like, lifestyle, maybe, in a magazine. I guess. Yeah. Anyway. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. So, I, like, texted you the other day and was like, we should do the thing, because, like, people love hearing coming out stories, and, like, probably our, you know, listeners, we've gotten a couple emails where people are like, if you want to talk more about yourselves, we won't complain. So I was like, this will be fine. And then like the closer it's gotten to actually doing it, the more I've been like, oh, I kind of have an eye twitch when I think about talking about this, but it's fine. <laughs> Do it anyway. I mean, are you sure? Like... Yeah. No, it's fine. All right. So yeah, you, you start. All right. Um, I'm going to start because my coming out is really boring in which... I thought I was straight for a long time, even though I knew a lot of queer people, which is the complete opposite of a lot of people, where it's like, I didn't know anyone, where I'm just like, this is a thing. And then I made out with a bunch of girls in college, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this is great. I should have figured this out before, before now. 
Um, and then I like didn't really come out to my family. Really, I just like came home one summer, and like a good friend of mine was like, "So you're gay now?" And I'm like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> it's just like, uh, but I think also part of it is that like, like my mom like doesn't care about that stuff, and like my sister like came out much like years before and like was like in a, like in a long-term committed relationship like before I started college so it was sort of like okay whatever um and again most of my and like almost my friends are like queer anyway so it wasn't even just like it was kind of just like basically like the oh finally <laughs> you figured it <laughs> so so it sounds like the biggest like conflict for you was like uh not even well the biggest like part of the whole thing was like your own internal figuring it out and the like uh external like relationships with other people and stuff like that was like pretty easy it was more like you being like oh what took me so long yeah so and I mean, and I'm to say that, like, obviously, like, at every job I've been at, I, I've had to, like, decide to come out or not. Because for whatever reason, like, even though I think I look queer as hell, I feel like a lot of people are just like, I'll be like, but they like, say things to me. And I'm like, do you think I'm straight? Because, like, <laughs> I am clearly doing the wrong job, if that's what you think, you know? Um, so. I think that's just, like, the fact that, like heterosexuality is the like assumed norm and that is like such a strong force in society that i feel like sometimes you need to like literally like be waving a rainbow flag in people's faces in order for them to like yeah be like oh you're queer yeah i think it's also a little bit like a little bit of it a little bit of it is people are just like oh you're a hipster and i'm like no hipsters have cribbed off of what queer people look like. Like, straight hipsters are just stealing from gay culture. <laughs> and I hate mm-hmm. it, because then people were just like, I feel like I just come off as hip, and not as queer. So. And, like, also it's like, there are a lot of, like, straight black ladies that have really short haircuts or their head shaved. So, so, like, even that, where I'm just like, I have a gay haircut, is like, but... Like, <laughs> 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 yeah. It's funny, like, I'm sitting here, like, I would never assume you're straight, but I feel like I am, like, you, like, I'm so surrounded by queer people and have been for so long that, like, I usually am surprised when someone is straight, and so, like, my default assumption is that people are not straight, so I don't think that I'm a very good judge of, like, how gay you look, but I think you look gay. I think you present very gay. I'm sorry that that happens to you. I mean, it's fine. I think also part of it is that, like, I live in the Midwest, and that's... I feel like when people... I feel like for a lot of straight people to do that is, like, in a negative way to be like, oh, you're like, you're you're gay, as opposed to just being like... I don't know. I just feel like it's so weird, because I feel like whenever... If I'm ever in a situation where, like, I'm with, like, straight people I don't know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, they're they're gay or this thing is really gay they're like what and i'm like <laughs> so yeah um oh shit what was i gonna say oh the midwest i feel like is a hotbed of um 
women, like cis straight women who use the word girlfriend to mean their friends too, which is like so harmful. I feel like like partly for like queer people who are like, no, like actual, like my girlfriend, like we fuck. But also like I've been in situations like when I was in college, even just like a couple of years ago where it was like someone in my class where I was like, oh, you seem cool. We're like lab partners in, you know, bio or whatever. And then, you know, at some point she was like, oh yeah, my girlfriend and I went out the other night and I was like, great, like cool. Yes. And then over time I was like, oh my God, no, you're like using girlfriend like the wrong way and you fooled me. Like, it's not fair. You've done me a a, a harm. Right. And then I always feel like because that happens a lot in the Midwest, I feel like when I say my girlfriend, I'm like, I don't mean like my friend who is a lady. I mean like my romantic partner who we have a, like, I'm like, it's not like, yeah. And this is pretty confusing because it's like, you'll be like, oh, there's a woman with like short hair wearing like Carhartt cargo pants and like woodland print. But it's like, and like looking very like butch, but it's like that person probably like isn't isn't like isn't gay. <laughs> you know, it's so hard for you to say. I just I feel like it's hard for me because I feel that happens to me like a lot where I'm just like you're probably not gay, even though you look the part like to the T of like yeah what me and like my like butch queer friends look like. <laughs> Which is very, which I guess actually yeah. works in my favor sometimes when I'm like in like rural Michigan and it's just like, people probably can't tell that I'm gay because I'm also wearing woodland print and car art. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, the Midwest is a real bummer. <laughs> Moral of the story. <laughs> yeah, one day I will live somewhere that there's Isn't like. is a real bummer? Yeah. Or there's, like, yeah, an actual gayberhood or something. Well, I mean, I guess a lot of gayberhoods around the cities are, like, gentrified, full of, like, cis white gay dudes, which is not a thing that I necessarily want to surround myself with. Yeah, that's fair. Um, caveat, I have some very lovely friends who are cis gay, <laughs> dudes, cis gay white dudes. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. It's, you know, like, my coming out story obviously has, like, it's uh, multi-tiered, you know? Mm -hmm. Because there are, like, a bunch of different steps or whatever. I came out as bi in eighth grade when I went to the only, like, sleepaway camp experience that I'd ever had before going to a camp, which was the, like, public school you go to this camp for like three nights um so it doesn't cost anything which is you know I think why I mean I would have thrown a fucking fit if my parents had tried to make me go to sleepaway camp but we couldn't afford it anyway so I never had to be put in that position but um so I went and my counselor told us a really scary story And everybody got really freaked out. And then we all had to like share bunks with each other, which is like the gayest thing ever. And so 
it was eighth grade. I had literally like eighth grade was a lot better than the rest of my middle school experience. By eighth grade, I think I had like five friends, um, which is a, a lot comparatively. Um, but so Nicole and I had been split up. We were in different cabins. Nicole listeners is Jesse's girlfriend who I've been friends with since seventh grade. And so my only friend in the cabin was my friend Maria. And so we shared a bunk after this scary story. And I remember just like laying there for a really long time being like, these are some feelings that I'm having. (laughs) Um, And because I am who I am, like I... It, like, didn't even occur to me to, like, think that there might be a problem or anything. Like, I came out, I think, like, as soon as we got back to school. Like, I I learned what lesbians were when I went to my first concert when I was nine, which was a Melissa Etheridge concert. (laughs) I won tickets to on the radio by knowing the rest of the lyrics from like where they stopped the song. Oh my God. Yes. So I went to that when I was nine and then there were like a lot of lesbians there. And then I was like, mom, why are all these ladies dancing together? And she was like, they're lesbians. And then I immediately went to school and like, was thrilled to tell all of my friends that gay people existed. Like, I don't know. I just was, like, over the moon. Um, so, sorry, what were you going to say? This is... I just keep thinking of the, like, tweet about the, like, couple in Carol, and then the woman's like, Harold, they're lesbians, like, in the middle of it. <laughs> and then people who are, like, have, like, a meme of, like, Harold, they're lesbians, and that's just... That's just whatever. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, I'm sorry. No, no. Yeah. So, like, for whatever reason, like, that happened when I was nine. And then, like, it didn't come back around until I was 13. So, yeah, I just was like, gayness is great. I'm going to come out. The, I think the first person I came out to was Nicole. But the second person I came out to was Maria. Just to test the waters. Just to to see. Mm -hmm. And she was very loud and I told her like quietly in the hallway and then she like screamed it back was like oh my god you're bisexual and so then everyone knew I was just out (laughs) so that was fine and then you know I went to like a hippie high school where everybody was just kind of like making out with everybody So it was just kind of, it was just like chill. Coming out to my parents, I don't know. I feel like I never like formally came out in any way to my mom. I feel like I just like assumed that it was assumed. Yeah. And then I feel like I had the opposite really experience of like what you were talking about where I, like, people have just always assumed that I was gay. Like, usually when I've been in, like, serious relationships with cis dudes, like, people are surprised to, who first meet me, to hear that that's, like, who I'm dating. So I haven't really been, like, in a situation 
you know, usually if like I say my partner to someone, like often they'll like come back with the pronoun she or like what's her name or whatever. So yeah, in terms of like sexuality, I kind of feel like I've been more often in the position to like have to come out as someone who is in a relationship with a cis dude. (laughs) I feel like that's like such a unique queer situation to be in. I feel like if, I feel like if I was in a serious relationship with a dude, I feel like it would probably be a bit of a similar thing. People would be like, but what? Uh Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what Kaylee was talking about. I don't know if this interview, if this conversation is going to go up before or after her interview, but her being like, people don't understand what bisexuality means and like would be so shocked if I like had a cis boyfriend or whatever. I feel like even, I feel like it's actually, so like I mostly identify as queer, but I still will use bi to like, kind of just to be like, that is still an identity that, like, I like to use. But it's mm-hmm. also kind of like... Oh, fuck. Where was I going with this? Shit. Just lost my train of thought. Right. Sorry. Um, Sometimes queer people can be really shitty about people who are bi. And I feel like I've met a ton of, like, queer... Of, like... Like... Specifically, like, lesbians who are... It's like, I would maybe be interested in dating you, but then you said a shit thing about a bi person, and I'm like, oh no, you're trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, like, mostly it's... And it's oh, and usually it's the same kind of bullshit. It's like, oh, it feels I'd feel so shitty if they cheat on me with someone, like, whatever. And I'm like, you can feel <laughs> shitty about whoever they are. I don't understand this, like, de- this, like demarcation, how it'd be somehow worse. Like, I'm like, I don't think that part... I think you're focusing on the wrong part of it is that if you're I feel like the assumption <laughs> the thing that's built into that is like oh bisexual people I it's like either bisexual people are actually lying and so there's always the risk if they're with me that like their identity is actually like like actually they're only attracted to the like whoever I'm not mm-hmm. or it's like bisexual people can never be satisfied by a single relationship. And so they'll always need to like find someone else to fuck who has different genitalia than I have, which is like, I, I, I like, it's so, it's so mind boggling. Cause I feel like, at least for me, like that's the, like, that's not the thing about people I'm attracted to. Right. And like, and even people who like, you know, identify as men and women, like there are different things that I'm a, attracted physically but i'm like that's the physicalness is like secondary to like what i'm actually attracted to with people so that's why i'm always just kind of like baffled where i'm just like i mean sex toys exist for a reason you could you could you could buy you could kind of compensate with the things that you feel like you're missing out on something quote unquote like right and it, it that, like, particular argument also is so, like, gender essentialist, right? And, like, trans right. erasure and, like, whatever. Right. And, like, it's a weird thing where, I like, it... I don't want to say I get it when straight people do it, but, like, straight people have a lot of shitty ideas about other people's sexualities if you're not heterosexual. But I feel like I just... It gets... For me, it gets really frustrating with queer people when it's just, like, kind of like you should know better. Like, are you really going to talk shit about my sexuality when, like... Everyone and also talk shit about any kind of queer identity. Like I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like yeah. what? 
someone that's that's gonna come up when we get into my like trans coming out story once said to me about bi people that statistically they'll choose by the time they're in their mid-20s i know i was like because people don't ever change like they only change once in their 20s and that's it like like in thinking about it like if your mid-20s is when people tend to like monogamously couple off like do you call it choosing like whether you are like straight or gay if you're a bisexual just because you like find a monogamous partner that you're gonna be with long term you know like that's a that's a like correlation causality error that is taking place there because like your statistics are bad and you should feel bad yeah exactly (laughs) like what the fuck did you just say that's so screwed up i can't even (laughs) believe that came out of your mouth um yeah so i guess uh using that i guess to like go into trans coming out stuff the first person that i came out to was nicole in a conversation that i don't think she remembers you know weirdly enough i i think i remember it because i thought that happened pretty shortly after we started like seriously dating because i remember her talking about your name change it was well before that oh okay so nicole is the person who taught me the word genderqueer in (laughs) this conversation during which i was like oh it me (laughs) like so we were like 22 21 like babies and i had been like my gender presentation has always been sort of like all over the place, but like in chunks of time where like I'll, I would go through like very, very femme phases and then very, very like more masculine phases. Um, and I was, had, was and had been in a like pretty mask phase for a while and had had a couple instances where like someone like called me sir or like used the, you know, quote unquote wrong pronouns for me. And I was like, I, I liked it. But, like, I don't feel trans doesn't feel like the right description. I'm very confused. And so, I like, Nicole and I were on a walk, and I was talking to her about that experience. And, like, you know, she, like, was a women and gender studies major in (laughs) college. So she was like, do you know what genderqueer is? And I was like, no. And she was like, it's this. And I was like, great. Thank you very much. (laughs) Like, that's what I am and it like kind of that like after that I would like selectively come out as genderqueer to like a few people but mostly was like I don't need to come out in a bigger way for really for a really long time however many years that was how old was I when I got married 25 yeah so for like three or four years I just was like it's okay So, yeah, I was 25 when Evan and I got married or had our commitment ceremony at what Nicole has called the gayest wedding she's ever been to. (laughs) 
<laughs> so she she does actually speak very fondly of it. It sounds like it, it sounds like it was awesome. It's a really what, good party from what she has told me about it. It sounds really cool. I mean, it's been seven years, and like people who were there still are like, "Your wedding was the best party I've ever been to." I feel like really proud of what I did. Uh, if anybody wants to listen, there's like a song by a real band about my wedding. <laughs> By the Appleseed Collective. It's called Kentucky Sky. You can go listen. I don't know if I knew that. And that is so heartwarming. I just, I don't, I love it. (laughs) Yeah, it's like pretty neat. Anyway, so like basically right after my wedding, I had like a life crisis. Like basically everything fell apart I had just moved I had no friends I was like in the middle of nowhere in a very very like in the rural south it was very like straight and my partner was like unbelievably ill and as gender has a tendency to it's like your barriers fail because of other shit and gender is like I've been waiting for you (laughs) (laughs) like a little demon just like coming around a corner like hello how are you it's time for us to talk um so that was like we got married in june and in january is when i changed my name to lark uh so it was like pretty immediate i spent basically that whole fall just crying so i changed my name but i was like not feeling empowered enough to change my pronouns at the same time even though like i knew that I wanted to start going by they, them pronouns. But that didn't happen until two years later, maybe. Uh, after we had moved from Kentucky and I had, like, more of a, like, queer friend base again. And much like my coming out in eighth grade, I, like, gender was very heavy for me inside but in terms of like my external I felt very like confident and like very like this isn't going to be a big deal about Mm. coming out like formally as non-binary or at the time I was using genderqueer I feel like non-binary wasn't as much of a term in like 2014 but so I was like yeah like use these pronouns for me and like everyone that I told had known that I identified as genderqueer previously and it was like a train wreck. It was awful. One of the people that I was closest with, like had been friends with for a really, really, really long time and like had lived with multiple times as roommates. Like someone that I saw like very, very regularly told me that like basically like non-binary identities aren't real and like it was impossible for me to feel gender dysphoria because like my gender didn't exist and that there was a real and necessary divide between real trans people and fake trans people oh my god yeah it so it was like super fucked up yeah it it was bad i i (laughs) i'm sorry because literally what the actual fuck So that's the same person who was, like, bisexual people will statistically choose. The really fucked up 
part of that is that <laughs> this person like worked at Planned Parenthood for a really long time and used to like work in their outreach program, like going into high schools and like teaching kids about gender and sexuality and was like the person who taught me the expression gender is between your ears, sex is between your legs. Like, the, yeah, like was a queer person, was like, you know, had spent a lot of time like thinking about these things. So that really fucked me up. And then very shortly thereafter, I like got really sick and then like got diagnosed with EDS and like got like priced out of the city I lived in and moved to the middle of nowhere. It was like a hot mess. So I was very like stuck for a really long time. It was very much like if I could take back coming out, I would like, it's not worth it. And it was the A camp that we went to together was when I like started feeling confident about my gender identity Things with Evan were, like, went fairly well. There was, like, a pretty rough period while he was, like, coming to terms with, like, what my identity meant for his own sexuality, like, in the midst of our lives, like, continuing to be in crisis. But, like, for the most part, like, he's been the most supportive person ever. I didn't come out to my dad until really recently. I came out to my mom and she like consistently was like, your pronouns are too hard. You like can't expect people to use those. Your, um, basically just like your expectations of people are too high. These pronouns are too hard. And also like, I think you're just confused and are reacting to like the patriarchy basically. Like my mom is very like, uh, second wave feminism in a lot of ways. I was very, I was literally like, that is very second wave of her. Yeah. To think that. So. Yeah. So she was like, yeah, no, I get it. Like, I've worked in a male dominated tech field as a woman. Like, I know how you feel. That's not being trans. Like, whatever. So that, like, that was actually, like, really rough my relationship with my mom has always been like kind of like weird and fraught but like I uh, got a lot worse my dad I didn't come out to because he dead named me from when I started going by Lark until I legally changed my name and then since I legally changed my name my dad has not used a name for me um he calls me either stranger or kiddo or did we haven't talked for over a year now but yeah, he's he's never he's never used a name for me since then. That is incredibly fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. He's the real jerk. So I didn't feel super empowered to like, you know, come out to him as uh any kind of trans. Yeah, so then we went to that A camp and I like met other non binary people and like met other like by people who were in relationships with cis men, which was, like, a lot in the Midwest. With Like, a, that contributed a lot to my, like, imposter syndrome was that people were, like, you're, like, basically, like, Evan, like, negated my gender identity and, like, my sexuality. But, yeah, so that was 
good and I like got I started like feeling better and more like sure of myself that was what October of 2016 so yeah then I just spent like the next however long like having a constant internal debate about whether or not I wanted to take testosterone or get top surgery a lot of the discourse around gender, especially for like non-binary folks, that's very much like gender is a social construct, which like gender is a social construct, but like the way that that figures in to like wanting to change your physical body is really complicated. And so that was like, I think my biggest hang up was like this constant uh, like running around of like, am I doing this to change like how people see me because it feels so bad to get misgendered or am I doing this because it's authentic to my being? And after many horrendous experiences with therapists, I finally found a very, very gay, very trans competent therapist who was like, Lark, those aren't different things like you are a human in the world and like what you want other people to perceive you as and what you are inside are not actually things that you can separate the way that you're trying to separate them. So like if changing your outsides will make you feel better in the world, then like that's fine and you can do that. And I was like, great. And then I started taking tea. Um, The day that we're recording this June 3rd is my one and a half year being on tea anniversary. (laughs) Yay! Yeah. That's very exciting. It is. Yeah, so... I started taking tea in December, obviously, of... um, 2000-whatever number. 17. uh, And my, like, tarot year spread that I did in January of that year was the... My December card was the death card. And, like, the closer we got to December, the more I was like, what's gonna happen? (laughs) (laughs) When I, like, got my prescription filled and, like... Or, like, I got it called in and they were like, it's gonna be ready on, like, December 1st. I was like, oh. (laughs) Oh. Great. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then... I found a really rad surgeon who I called and was like, I want top surgery. And they were like, great when? And I was like, I don't know. I have to like go to Amsterdam for my mom's wedding in April. Can we do it before then? And they were like, yeah, two weeks. And I was like, yes, thank you. Um, if anybody needs the name of a surgeon who doesn't require any gatekeeping documentation and will book you whenever you want surgery and is like half the price of uh out of pocket top surgeries just like hit me up i'll give it to you that's actually pretty incredible just like yeah whatever i'm like that's how it should be it's like cool i think he's one of like three surgeons in the country who doesn't require any kind of like you know paperwork from a therapist or whatever they're just like no if you want if you call and say you want this you probably want this and like that's fine Magical. Uh, also, I know. pretty sure he has a hashtag. Um, he does. Yeah, if you if you want to go on Instagram, hashtag Dr. Wolf's Wolf Pack. That's the search I went to. Such an excellent 
named a half of your hashtag. I just want to throw that out there. I know. Anyway. It's really beautiful. Yeah, so I got top surgery last March. And when I told my parents that I was getting top surgery, my dad was like terrible, which was like not surprising, but um, he hasn't talked to me since then. And then my mom and I stopped talking for like a month, basically like only started talking again because like she was getting married and I had to like decide whether or not I was going to like skip her wedding, which seemed really heavy. Um, but our relationship is still like very fraught. She spent three years telling me that they, them pronouns were too hard to use. But last May after I got home from a camp and was like, I'm using he, him pronouns. Now she became flawless at using they, them pronouns. (laughs) Like interesting. Sure is. Yeah. And by interesting, I mean fucking awful why'd you do that to your child like for real it was like oh they were too hard until i got more upsetting pronouns (laughs) and all of a sudden they're like totally easy to use um i just want to say lord that you don't deserve any of that and your parents are trash thanks yeah i mean and so i moved moved across the country away (laughs) and three time zones away and that's great Yeah, it's funny, not, I mean, like, I think it's interesting that, like, I started using he, him pronouns and then, like, moved to Portland where, like, they, them pronouns are so common, which was, like, part of why I wanted to move to Portland. I was like, so many people there use the same pronouns as me and I won't be, like, the only one anymore. Yeah. But my switch to he, him pronouns was, like, authentic and not, like, rooted in you know people not being good at using them so Mm -hmm. yeah and so right that was like the last piece of it was switching my pronouns which again was like a camp was responsible for that switch um just being in a space where i was like witnessing all the options of like trans mask identities and like all the different ways that they could look and like all the different pronouns that people chose to use and just being like, oh, that's, like, the the pronouns that, like, feel really right to me. And, like, I feel okay about... I think I was afraid for a long time that, like, using those pronouns would somehow, like, negate my non-binariness. And so, like, camp was a space where I could, like, interact with other people and be like, oh, no, I, like, can still be a non-binary person and use these pronouns. And yeah, aside from with my mom, like that's been fine. That switch has been fine, which is nice. I think a lot of it is like, I don't have any of the people that made my first like trans coming out shitty in my life anymore. You know, realize that it's better to not have like many close friends than it is to have close friends that make you feel terrible (laughs) turns out i mean that's a hard lesson to learn for us all right why is it so hard i mean i don't know i i have abandonment issues so that's for me why it's hard so (laughs) i mean i don't know i'm sure there's a variety of reasons why but yeah no cheers to that for sure but yeah 
I've gotten a piece of mail addressed to Mr. Lark Gray and someone that I called like for a price quote for something the other day was like, hang on a minute, Mr. Gray. And I was like, cool. I don't. That's awesome. I know. It was the first, I think it's the first, first time that my voice has like been interpreted that way by a stranger. So that's rad. But yeah. My life's a lot better now. I feel a lot more confident which is evidenced by the fact that we're making this podcast and I like put my thoughts and feelings out into the world every week, which like two years ago would never have been a possibility for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm very happy that y'all made this move because you just seem so much better in your life. <laughs> so, Yeah. Um, but yeah, do you want to transition into our roots? Um, I do, but actually, I'm sorry. I have one more thing that I didn't mention, but was thinking, which I guess actually does transition into this, which is how I didn't know I was queer. How I, how, how, like the ridiculousness of me not realizing to myself that I was queer until like, I was like 19, which is in high school. I went to a charter school. In, Michi- in the Michigan suburb, in the Detroit suburb. Um, and me and about four other people tried to start a gay straight alliance, um, which didn't go anywhere because conservative Michigan, like Metro Detroit schools and like our charter school partner was like Ford Motor Company, which I mean, not really, I'm sure, good for their LGBTQ um Anyway, so that that didn't go anywhere, unfortunately. Um, but we tried, and it was myself and uh, the one out gay person. Well, not not the one out, the one out gay man at my at my high school, and then myself and two other people who, of course, graduated high school and then came out. Mm-hmm. There was like ten people at my high school like that, including two of my good friends (laughs) but like also it's like it's like people who graduated like my high school and then it's like oh yeah like yep you're you're real gay and actually i'm i'm instagram friends with the with the woman who also we try to set the gsa together and like i don't know she's real rad but (laughs) it's just like i was like i felt really passionate about this but like you know for other other people i guess i don't know but yeah yeah, it, our brains are crafty <laughs> in the way that they can be like, oh, no, this is just about that other thing. It's not. You don't need to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, of course, the fact that like I was also attracted to men, I think, was also sort of like made it easier for me to be like, I'm probably just mostly straight, you know, or like straight. Like, that's totally fine. But I had a really deep obsession with women though on television and in movies yeah dana scully is definitely one of my roots (laughs) which is i think for a lot of queer women of my age it's like oh yeah dana scully i'm like yeah exactly (laughs) um power suits i've never watched an episode of the x-files that's all right i'm sorry (laughs) that's okay um nicole's never watched it either and i am one day gonna convince her to do it I honestly don't know how much of it would hold up, but mm. Jillian Anderson just playing like the skeptical medical doctor and her like 
varying degrees of cute pantsuits is like, <laughs> I don't know, it just hit, it hit a thing for me. Yeah, I, I definitely think that that is like a, you you could join like a, a club, a, like bonding over that being a root club for sure. Actually, I will tell you, before we started making this podcast, uh, my other strong podcast idea that I was like, I need to get someone to do this with me, would have been a whole podcast about people's queer roots around, like, people in, like, pop culture and, like, art and, like, literature. And I was 100% going to call it Scully Made Me Gay. That's amazing. <laughs> I will make that podcast with you. We can interview people. <laughs> Listeners, if at least 15 of you email us and say that you want us to make this podcast, then we'll do it. Also, if Dana Scully made you queer, you should definitely write into us because I want to talk to you. <laughs> okay, before we get back or start officially on the Roots thing or whatever, I have two more coming out things that I want to add that are like super heartwarming. When I came out to a kid that I used to nanny, one, she's 13, but she might've been, yes, she was 13. When I came out to her, we like went for a walk together and she literally was like textbook perfect like, I'm so happy for you. Like, this is so exciting. Are you like, are you going to decide to like do anything that's like different? I was like, yeah, I got top surgery in March. I'm like taking testosterone. She's like, that's so great. I'm like so happy for you. And it was so Aww. beautiful. And then she was like, I have something to tell you too. I'm queer and I have a girlfriend. And it was <gasps> the most beautiful moment I've ever had in my entire life. Oh my God. <laughs> Right? I love it. It was... Yeah. I was, like, ready. I was ready to cry. Another really sweet moment that I have had with kids relating to queerness was her little brother. I was with him when gay marriage was legalized. We we were on a walk, and... Evan texted me to let me know that, like, it had been legalized, and I told the kid that I was with and we were walking our bikes up a really big hill. He had just learned how to ride his bike that summer and he dropped his bike and threw his arms around me and <laughs> like exclaimed at the top of his lungs. Now all of your friends can get married. Oh my God. Yeah. It's good. These are good. Oh my God. <laughs> Adorable. A little, little freak lumps. <laughs> so, yes. Anyway, tell me about your other roots. So, my other root, which actually happened much earlier than my X-Files obsession, which is the show Kids in the Hall, um, which, have you you've seen Kids in the Hall? Okay. I have seen some of it. All right. So, living in Detroit meant that, like, I could pick, we could pick up the Canadian television channels, mm-hmm. which was awesome because Canadian television in a lot of ways is much cooler than American television. Uh, there used to be the like independent film show that came out at like midnight, like when I was in high school, that was like the shit. Um, but anyway, so Canadian television, Kids in the Hall is like a sketch comedy show with like four dudes. Um, a lot of it is 
very raunchy, and I probably should not have been watching it as a child, but I did because I loved it. <laughs> and one of the, one of the like one of the, so one of the dudes is gay in real life. So there was so he like famously has like a like a sketch of like like a queer persona just like talking shit about people, which is great. But also on the show, the men would often just play female characters all the time because it was just like the four of them in like sketches like monty python Um, yeah it took me maybe three years of watching this show as a child to realize that there weren't women on the show (laughs) i was just like okay yeah you know yeah and i feel like i feel like that's definitely one of my queer roots (laughs) um there's also my favorite sketch of this show is i have to find a video for for us to put up where this dude is in a gay bar and he keeps having these flashbacks to when his dad is taking him hunting in the woods about what to do if you're attacked by a bear. <laughs> and he's like approached by like a ba- like a like a like a burly gay dude bear and he keeps like flashing back. Yeah. But then he like ends up going home with this dude and they're like watching each other's backs and it's like my it was like my favorite thing as like an 8-year-old child, <laughs> but it's also <laughs> The gayest <laughs> shit. Like, you, I'm just like, wh- I don't, I can't tell you why I loved it. Besides, I'm like, oh, LOL, he is a, like, a hairy dude, but a bear. I don't think I knew what a bear, like, subculture was, but I'm like, this is funny. And I'm like, oh, wait, <laughs> this is so gay. That's so funny. Yeah. I, yeah, Kids in the Hall definitely also made me gay. <laughs> I... I feel like, jumping back to Dana Scully, I feel like that um, being one of your roots, like, really explains why your, like, long-term partner is a Virgo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) That literally has not ever occurred to me until right now. This is one of those many, many times that I wish that your face could come through on the podcast. <laughs> Have I secretly been trying to recreate Dana Scully allergy in my life this for like <laughs> the past like twenty five years of my life? Like <laughs> I don't know, just you manipulate Nicole into going to school for healthcare. <laughs> oh my god! Don't you want to become a forensic pathologist, babe, and then become work for the FBI? Did you want to dye your hair red? <laughs> I mean, she did in eighth grade. No, Nicole is very beautiful. I love her just as she is. <laughs> um, also, one of my queer roots is The Matrix, <laughs> which is also hella Fair. queer. And like, it's just super goth. And I love, I love the discourse now of people being like, "Oh, this is hella trans." Like, yeah, I love that. Um, I love people being like. I love I fucking love that movie. Also, Trinity, I had the biggest crush on her. I had a I had a poster for my wall when I was in high school. <laughs> Amazing. <sighs> yeah, it was her Kurt Cobain because Yeah. I, I had a whole Kurt Cobain wall. It was required. <laughs> um, yeah, I was really obsessed. And I and I realize now that part of it is that like as far as like alt grunge rock goes which i listen to a lot of like kurt cobain not being super like traditionally masculine is i think what has attract was what attracted me to him and his music because i feel like he talks about that in his music yeah 
And I'm like, yes. I am also sad and sensitive. Please let us <laughs> let us talk about that. Yeah, he was like super, super like feelingsy, and definitely like I don't know. I feel like there wasn't like a lot of like toxic masculinity going on there. I mean, I think he talks about it in one of his songs on Nevermind, which I'm like every weird bro. I'm sure had a copy of. He's the one who likes all our pretty songs. He uh, likes to shoot his gun, but he doesn't. He doesn't. He don't know what he means. Yeah. Na, 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 okay. Anyway, I just looked up Kurt uh, Cobain bisexual on my phone, <laughs> and there's an article from the Independent from 2013 that says Kurt Cobain thought he was gay as a teenager. Uh, yeah, I definitely owned like when they released like the hardcover of like the scans of all of his journals. I owned that. Um, I was too broke for that, but I definitely sat in a Borders and read the entire thing. Yeah. R.I.P. Borders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Borders also made me gay. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Anyway. Like, I mean, my dad is like so into rock music that I feel like I was like, I want Kurt Cobain's journals for Christmas. He was like, Yes. I will get this for you. <laughs> I want you to have it. <laughs> Maybe not quite the outcome that he Oh my was god, thinking. my fucking dad. He was like so stoked about what a tomboy I was for like my entire childhood and then I hit like a point and he was like you're a bad influence on your younger siblings, you need to change. It was like my favorite yeah, thing like a- to say to my parents when they're like contradicting the way that they brought me up is you raised me, which was the thing that I said to my dad, mostly in my head a lot, because we were not like in a place where we could have those conversations since I was like 14. But like, he would get upset with me about shit. And I was like, this is literally what you like programmed me for as a child. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's like, it's like... Parents, don't be surprised when your quote-unquote tomboy girls turn out to be gay and trans. Right. I'm like, that's like the logical conclusion of this. Is like, gonna just like, all right, I love this. Never gonna give it up. Right. And it's like, like, what? Yep. It's so funny. So, oh my god. I mean, gender is a trash fire. But also, LOL, like, what did you think was gonna happen? <laughs> that's how I feel. Yep. Oh man. Yeah, so, like, I was talking about my roots for a minute, but I want to, like, kind of just trade off. But speaking of, so I've always, like I said, like, my gender, like, presentation has always been sort of, like, all over the place. And I have, like, at least, like, one Instagram post where I'm, like, these are my two genders and have, like, adult pictures of, like, me in, like, a leather jacket and, like, combat boots and, like, me in my Lisa Frank dress that I'm definitely going to post pictures of me in during Pride. And then pictures of me as a kid, like, dressed in my dad's leather jacket and his, like, black (laughs) high tops and, like, my black baseball cap that I wore backwards every day until... I, you know, my school passed the, like, you can't wear hats rule and, like, ruined my aesthetic. Okay. So, the 90s existed. And, like, Claudia from the Babysitter's Club was always wearing, like, oversized shirts. That's, like, the only thing she's ever described as wearing is oversized shirts and, like, stretch pants. Um, 
So the t-shirt that I got at the Melissa Etheridge concert when I was nine still fits me today. (laughs) Wait, do you still own it? Yeah, I turned it into a muscle tank last summer. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll post pictures on Instagram. It's great. Uh, But, and, like, that makes me really happy. Like, bless Claudia, who, you know, the Babysitter's Club, written by a gay person we now know. Wait, really? Oh, yeah. She came (gasps) out, like, last year. I didn't know this. Incredible. There's a reason that, like, (laughs) there's a reason. So many queer people love the Babysitter's Club. So gay. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I was, like, I think when I was younger, it was, that was still too femme for me. Like, I... For me, it needed to be, like, science fiction mm. or bust. Or either science fiction, horror, fantasy, or about animals. <laughs> Those were, like, the four genres. And, like, I would sometimes read, like, science books for fun because I was such a nerd. Like, about space or about animals or about, you know, the woods. Yeah. Just regular gay That's shit fair. that gay people love. But, yeah, so I missed out on the... Babysitter's Club. Oh, oversized shirts. Oh, yeah. Uh, I... So. Wait, what are you going to say? No, we have a policy. When I don't hear you right. start, you um, have to finish. Yeah, okay. So, I. So, my sister's also queer, as I mentioned earlier. Um, she's about four years older than I am. Um, she wore a lot of oversized flannel and, like, Tim's <laughs> and boots in high school. And. I would get her hand-me-downs, so I then wore a lot of oversized flannel shirts and cargo pants, because it was the late 90s. (laughs) And then, of course, the minute I got into grunge, I'm like, yeah, more flannel. So, yeah, just a lot of, like, oversized flannel shirts under, like, thrift store t-shirts and, like, big puffy vests that made me look gender ambiguous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm just like, yeah, this is how I look. I think the outfit I was most proud of in high school was I had these, like, green cargo pants that, like, came up. What is it like? Maybe, like, a like a third way up my calf. Okay. And then, but also, and then also this, like, shimmery purple button-up that I had got, like, one of the few things from the women's section that I had, that I owned. Because I shopped exclusively in the men's section in high school. Um... I don't as much anymore, but most of my wardrobe. Anyway, so, like, this, like, very femme, shimmery purple shirt, and then these, like, like army green, like, cargo pants that, like, went, like, midway up my calf. Amazing. <laughs> Photos of this do not exist. That's so sad. But this is also the outfit that I wore when my um, never-to-reach-light-of-day GSA, we went to some kind of queer conference in Kalamazoo <laughs> and I'm like this is the outfit that I'm picking <laughs> amazing um, yeah really good. I mean I still own a lot of flannel now let's be real but I feel like my like femme aesthetic always like for the longest time when I was trying to explain like my gender identity to people I was like I feel like a drag queen only no one knows that I'm in drag. Like, that's how I feel. And then, like, getting super emotionally fucked up from, like, the whole process of, like, coming out and whatever, I've, like, 
not felt as comfortable in like the outfits that I used to be like really into even though I always felt like I was like playing make-believe and my goal is to like get far enough into my transition where I feel comfortable wearing those things again and there are like certain things that I'm like even though I can't wear you right now like I know that I'll hit a point where like I will be able to wear you again it's like my I look, I look forward to that day I know me too I feel like it'll maybe happen sooner now that I live in Portland right like I'm like I could t- I could totally wear like my Lisa Frank body contrast right that'll be fine no one's gonna like misgender me but I'm using this to segue so like my most intense queer roots are Mercutio from the like Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet specifically the scene where he is in drag and Frankenfurter so so like my dad is like very into rock and roll and like very desperately wanted to be like a cool dad and so he was really into showing me movies that were age inappropriate (laughs) as like a thing and it always had something to do with like the music that was in the movie so like movies that I remember like it was Rocky Horror and Hair and fuck what's the movie about heroin Requiem for a Dream and then it was a surprise when you had <laughs> like blank. Right? Was, he was like training me. And then was like, how dare you? <laughs> right. It's like, what did you what did you think was gonna happen? Right? I know. Thank you. This is exactly how I feel. But so he showed me Rocky Horror when I was like eleven, maybe, and like the memory of like Frankenfurter coming down in the elevator and turning around is like one of my most visceral childhood memories where I'm like that. Like that. Like my gender identity is very much like fag. And Frankenfurter like was was that for me and then like also weirdly tim curry and muppet treasure island because i was very into pirates as a kid that was like my favorite my favorite imaginary game to play but so that like i think those are like the biggest the biggest ones so i have a couple of things yeah uh first off i feel like when you watch i feel like so many of tim curry's roles in movies are still feel really queer even when i feel like that's maybe not supposed to be what's happening that i'm just like yeah tim curry like tim curry's sexuality has never been confirmed but like we all know that tim curry is gay i mean i feel like whenever you say never been confirmed i'm like queer right like i mean you don't you say you don't confirm it because you don't want people to like not hire you for roles (laughs) like that's just all right it was like he's so private and like He's a lifelong bachelor or whatever. It's like, okay, look. Yeah, I mean, like, look, look at history. Whenever people say lifelong bachelor, it's like, oh, you were, you were hella queer. Right, exactly. That's how, that's how I feel when people are like, I didn't know Janelle Monae was queer. I'm like, did you not listen to the, an- the ARC Android album and, like, how fucking queer shit that is? Oh, I'm an android. That, what? <laughs> so, like, you guys, are you not paying attention to what's happening? Um, but I was also, so speaking of 
like 90s sitcoms. Um, I don't know why I randomly thought of this. Probably just preparation for this for this chat was that. So I watched a lot of Home Improvement because it takes place in Michigan, and it says Detroit, but in reality, like a Detroit suburb. Um, and like, we can be real about how Tim Allen is trash and like the rampant toxic masculinity of that show is real strange, but Tim Allen's co-host on the show, Al is like, he was so queer and I, um, and I'm just like, oh yeah, you're just a sensitive, uh, competent flannel wearing, uh, dude who just wants to get his job done in the face of in rampant incompetence and fragile masculinity. I'm like, identify with this in a way. That is... I don't know. He's such a great character. Wow, it's been And then, like, so later in the long. show, they're like, oh, we'll put you with a woman. And I'm like, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> you are clearly just a quiet gay dude. And, like, 90s sitcoms just couldn't handle that. Speaking of more ladies in suits, <laughs> I think there used to be a, like, Men in Black cartoon that came out after the movie. And the first Men in Black, the, like, main lady who works... Actually, in the morgue. I really have a type. Yeah. <laughs> she is... Very gorgeous. And her character in the cartoon I also had, like, a crush on. I was, like, obsessed with her. It's like, Ladies in the Suits in the 90s was really just a type that I had. Yeah. We've been talking for a really long time. We should probably <laughs> We definitely had more feelings than I thought we were going to have. I'm like, oh, whatever. And then I'm like... Stop. Yeah, I would have been shocked if we didn't have a lot of things to say about being <laughs> gay. That would have been that's pretty true. weird. That's, that's, very, that's very true. You ready to outro? Yeah. You can do that. You sure? Is there anything else you want to talk about? I saw a lot of WNBA games when I was in high school. <laughs> I'm sure that didn't help. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like there's, I'm sure, a lot of things I'm forgetting about my about my queer roots that we might... There's another pride in a year. <laughs> well, there's always July, known as Gay Rage Month. No. <laughs> <laughs> So I saw a meme where it was like pride and then it was like rage and then like gay. Like it would be the whole rest of the year about like gay months and it just, it makes me laugh so That's much. That's great. I have to find out, I have to find out what it was because it was very funny. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening to The Gaily Prophet. Today is the last day of our Pride Month sale. So that the promo code actually works now. So run over to thegailyprofit.com slash shop. Use the promo code QUEERWITCHES, one word, all caps. It will, in fact, take 13% off of everything in your cart unless you are getting a fundraiser shirt, which you should, but that one doesn't qualify because it's a fundraiser. Anyway, we're really sorry that the promo code wasn't working. We're really glad that we found out that it wasn't working. And now all of you who attempted to use it unsuccessfully will be able to use it successfully as long as you get over there by midnight pacific time today june 30th if you want to support more uh high quality queer content such as this um you should tell all your friends about the gaily prophet share our stuff on social media and if you want to directly support us um become one of our patrons and we will thank you in person on there (laughs) 
That's very true. Uh, you can also rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher or Facebook, which doing so will get you entered into a drawing for potentially winning a sticker. And one of the sticker getters will also get a t-shirt, so that's cool. If you want to know what I'm doing in between episodes and or discuss with me my obsession with uh, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy being a queer couple... Yeah, I am on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit <laughs> and on Instagram at live from Detroit. You can find me on the internet at LarkMalakai.com. It's L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I.com where you can learn about all the different kinds of work that I do and you can schedule various things like a tarot reading or a coaching session or a nutrition appointment. And you can nominate healthcare providers to get a trans inclusivity training from me. So you should probably check that out. Also, I'm on Instagram at Lark Malachi and at Radical Healer. Uh, our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. And our logo art is by Theo Julian Forrester. If you have not already, you should check out our website and our social. Theo also makes phenomenal comics for us for every episode of the recap they're they're truly incredible you really should go and look at them and buy some prints because it's just it's like mind-blowing how talented he is and we're so lucky to have him yeah we have prints available in our shop of his uh rendering of a beautiful trans lesbian hagrid and uh her unicorn pal who i named sylvie because it seemed like a good name for a unicorn. Why not? Just in time to hang up at your house for pride. Yes. <laughs> Until next time, don't forget to write to us and tell us about your Patronus, because we forgot to say that. <laughs> tell us about your queer, your, your queer roots. Please do. We want to know. Tell us about your Patronus and your queer roots, and how those intersect, if they do, but, you know, whatever. Whatever.